You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Theater Geeks Anonymous. The podcast about Broadway flops, scandals, and new work. I'm your host, Ebony Vines. And I'm your host, Pamela Shandro. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Theater Geeks Anonymous podcast on the Broadway Podcast Network and all your favorite podcast listening apps. Thank you. Very excited. I know I texted you. About I'm so, I, I loved that so much. That was like the best text to get in the morning is like when your co-host is super excited about her episode. I loved it so much. I only wish that I had more information. I know I say this every time we do one of these episodes, yeah. but like I fell down a rabbit hole and then it was just the end. And I was like, wait, but what about this? And what about that? <laughs> oh man. It does always, uh, it does always feel like, like that, or like there could be just a little bit more. Right. Um, and I'm sure there is more. Oh yeah. Of course there is. Yeah. But it's like, you know, it's someone's personal story. Right. So, you know, you're not going to know that unless you know that person. And right. then in that case, I wouldn't be telling the story on, you know, in a podcast unless I had their permission. Right, right. So that was why it was so cool that Rebecca happened the way it did, because I had people that I knew that were in the right. cast. And so they had this inside scoop that otherwise we wouldn't have gotten. And then when right. we spoke to Michael Riedel, we had even more information. Yeah. It was so cool. Then this time, though, I'm just like this. And also the show that I'm doing today. Oh, I'm going first, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm just too excited to wait. Of course I'm going first. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the one that I'm doing today actually happened like in the early 80s. Right. So the chances of me ever having run into these people in my short career in the on the stage, you know, is is not probable. <laughs> so Yeah, because they're they're yeah, they're much older. Yeah, we, we were teeny little boppers very teeny we were alive (laughs) yeah we were we were knee high to a grasshopper (laughs) but barely (laughs) yeah like we were probably still we we may have just been learning to crawl you probably a little bit more than me at that point but because you were (laughs) you're may right Mm -hmm. oh shoot okay you are may 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 82 Thank you. Oh, mm-hmm. well, then never mind. You was were I not, not born, born yet? <laughs> you were, you oh, were, uh, were the bane of your mother's, mother's existence eye. at that point in yes. time. <laughs> you were like the, the, the mother saying, get me out, get this girl out of me. She's, <laughs> I'm so big and I don't like it. I'm very uncomfortable. <laughs> if your mother was like that. Otherwise. She, I- I do have this wonderful picture of her pregnant with me and like this, it's, uh, it's, it's either black and white or very old. I think it's actually a black and white picture and she's like dressed super nicely and she has on high heels and she Whoa. is pregnant. Oh my gosh. And she's Good in her, her, she's in her classroom cause she was a teacher. And so, um, a bunch of students are like sort of looking at her and smiling, which is really cute. That is cute. What grade did she teach? At that point, she was a middle school teacher because she was, I mean, she, she actually taught middle school most of her career, except um, she was at a middle school called George Fox at that time. Mm -hmm. And then she transferred to one where all the other kids would get, um, when they would get expelled from schools in the county, they would go to her school. Okay. 
And then uh, when I graduated high school, she actually started teaching at my high school. So my brother okay. and sister had our mother in their <laughs> high school when they were going to high school. So it'd be like, are you Miss Jenkins kid? You're like, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Cause this was uh, January of 82. Okay. So yeah, she was just pregnant with me a few months and I was just six months old. Oh, I know. Chubby oh, little Pamela. And I really was super chubby. <laughs> I just would have wanted to squish you to pieces. <laughs> I want to squish me to pieces. Whenever I see a picture of myself, I just want to go, Oh, you're so cute. <laughs> and every once in a while, when I look in the mirror, <laughs> that's good. That's good. <laughs> Shall we get started? Let's do it. Welcome. Oh, wait. Oh, let's do the whole thing. Welcome. What's up, theater geeks? What is up? We are back. We are back. And, and this time, friends, it's going to be one of our favorites, a flop. Yes. We're going to, we're off the, off the smash. smash train. Yes. And we're back to, to the shows that, you know, we want you to get excited <laughs> about that are no longer with us, but you know, might you might find love with them. You might fall in love yeah. with them. Uh, no, absolutely. And, and I was not kidding when I told you that I fell down a rabbit hole and got super excited about the show that I'm doing today, which is called The Little Prince and the Aviator. And the reason why yeah. we picked this one is because, okay, as you know, from the Smash <laughs> episodes, Rent was just a show that was like hammered home ridiculously in season two. <laughs> So we decided to pick two shows that had original cast members from Rent in them. And so, and so this one has uh, Anthony. Anthony Rapp. Yep. <laughs> it's very exciting. Yeah. But as a little boy, because he was playing the little prince in this, in this show. So oh, let's cute. get into it because I got a lot. It. Uh, first things first and get it right off the right out the gate Uh, a lot of the stuff came from wikipedia surprise surprise um i got some information from idb or excuse me ibdb Mm -hmm. and then some from Mm broadwayworld.com i found a lot of more information oh and playbill.com a lot more information i or a lot more searches were generated on different sites like goldenthroat.com but i didn't list those because it seemed that for the most part those other websites just were like copy and pasted to or from uh wikipedia so okay. that's that having said that i didn't use anything from those sites okay um but there is quite a bit of information that you can find uh and some YouTube videos are maybe just one that it was uh it seemed like it was just the overture but it didn't have any video it was just like a black screen okay all right so the little prince <laughs> in the aviator is a musical with a book by Hugh Wheeler lyrics by Don Black and music by John Barry and is based on the classic book the little prince by and I'm only going to say this a couple of times and please forgive my French Antoine de Saint Exupéry. <laughs> Listen, my friends know I'm pretty terrible at French, so I cannot correct you. <laughs> well, that's good. Uh, <laughs> I might, you know, I might just shorten it to Antoine later on, but I might also just try to butcher it again and again. Who knows? It's it's how I'm feeling. <laughs> so Hugh Wheeler, who wrote the book, first of all, okay, his middle name is Callingham. Which gave me the squeals. <laughs> Why? Why? I don't know. He's English. I think that's what it is. Okay. <laughs> we do love the British. We do. And all three of these creatives are from England. Okay. Give me just a second. I've got to move some screens around. And also, just so you know, my mm-hmm. computer is running fairly slow. So if at any point I freeze, just mm-hmm. give me a heads up. Okay. All right. So Hugh Wheeler. Hugh Callingham Wheeler. (laughs) Um, More importantly than his middle name, you guys will recognize him because he wrote the books for Little Night Music, Candide, and Sweeney Todd, and ended up winning both Tony Awards and, I know, Tony Awards and Drama Desk Awards for all three of those. I think it's also significant to mention that he also wrote the book for Pacific Overtures, and that show actually preceded Little Prince by about six years. Yeah, yeah. 
Don Black, who wrote the lyrics, is an English lyricist who collabed with numerous people, some of which were Michael Jackson, Meatloaf, Quincy Jones. Oh, wow. I know. But in the musical theater realm, he's most known for his collaborations with Andrew Lloyd Webber Mm. on Aspects of Love and Sunset Boulevard, the latter of which won a Tony Award. And he also worked with Frank Wildhorn on two shows that we've previously done episodes about, Dracula the Musical and Bonnie and Clyde. I think you actually did both of those oh did I I I think so (laughs) I remember doing Bonnie and Clyde but I think you're right because we when we did that uh Uh vampire episode yep so bless (laughs) John Barry is an English composer this guy okay (laughs) wrote the scores for 11 James Bond movies between 63 and 87 Wow. He wrote the Grammy winning scores for Dances with Wolves and Out of Africa, among many others. He and Don Black did quite a bit together in the film and TV industry in their lengthy careers. He didn't make a strong showing for musical theater, however. And just prior Mm. to Little Prince in 1981, he was awarded the Golden Raspberry for worst musical score for The Legend of the Lone Ranger. So, I took some notes. Okay. <laughs> There's quite a bit of, of shows that we could add to the list if they aren't already there. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like sounds like this was just like a wealth of additional fodder for our, oh, yeah. our oh, podcast. Yeah. That was another yeah. little rabbit hole I fell down to. <laughs> I, this sounds to me like it it's like it should have been a recipe so far for like a really great musical. Yes. And thank you for pointing that out. Cause that's ultimately why I chose to really highlight all of these people. And I'll highlight some more people later on as well, mm-hmm. because up to this point, the people that we've met so far are huge icons right. in, in the music and uh, in the theatrical world, in yeah. the music world, in the film and TV world. So, you know, looks good so far, right? Yeah. <laughs> so in the little prince, the book, The story follows a young prince who visits various planets in space, including Earth, and addresses themes of loneliness, friendship, love, and loss. Despite its style as a children's book, The Little Prince makes observations about life and human nature. Mm -hmm. Have you ever read it? Um, I have. And when I went to Paris, it's like freaking everywhere, right? Yeah. Well, he's celebrated now because at a time he was banned basically across the board. And then the liberation, some some sort of liberation happened. Uh, And I didn't read all of the details because I wasn't going to be able to add it to this report. But and then all of a sudden, France was like pro their own people, which was really, it's really great. Uh, And so uh Antoine <laughs> he and Madeline are flipping yeah. everywhere oh man I love the Madeline books I read those <laughs> all the time to Miles and and well Aww. really honestly any kid that I would nanny if they had mm-hmm. a Madeline book we were all about it <laughs> it doesn't talk down to them it doesn't right. talk down to children mm-hmm. and they're fun for me too and I yeah. can practice my French accent <laughs> I liked the cartoon when I was a kid yeah oh yeah, totally cute yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, So now uh, we're going to go to Little Prince and the Aviator, which is the musical version of that book. And it does deviate slightly from the original classic in that Aviator Tony, whose plane crashes in the Sahara Desert, actually is the real life author, uh, Antoine. And the plot, his name is Tony, but remember his first name is actually Antoine. So I'm sure that's where that comes from. Mm -hmm. Um, And the plot alternates flashbacks to actual events in his life with his interaction with the fictional little prince who is a refugee from asteroid B612. Uh, Undaunted by the critical and commercial failure of the 1974 musical screen adaptation by Lerner and Lowe. What? I know. Nineteen seventy-four. They created this movie, a musical movie, Lerner and Loaded, about the Little Prince, and it was a bomb. It absolutely bombed. But a Joseph Tandit, who was a co-producer of the movie, and he owned the rights to the story, proceeded with his plans for a Broadway production. Ebony, to save money, he decided to forego an out-of-town tryout. Oh dear. I know. That was the last line of one of the paragraphs. And I just went, oh, I guess I don't have to finish this. 
man. Okay. <laughs> and previews were originally scheduled to begin on December 31st of 1981 at the Alvin Theater, which is now... I do not know. Cute, and I, I would have to tell to write me, it down, and I didn't. You it's at a least know the street. I don't. It's okay. It might come up in not since Carrie, which I'll read an excerpt of as well. Okay. Um, let's. But it's a Nederlander theater. Just so we're all on the same page a little bit. Okay. The first preview was canceled at the last minute after a change in both the director and the choreographer late in the rehearsal period. The production actually began previews on January 1st, 1982, which is only one day. What? So that okay. was a big question mark to me. <laughs> well, so I, my, my wonder is like, if it, if the, if what the information tells you is that it happened late in rehearsals, they had a few rehearsals right. under their belt with this, with this new team. But I'm extraordinarily curious to find out, like, what happened with this team. Like, why did they switch them out at the last minute? Right. I realize creative team changes happen oh, totally. last minute, but, like, but why? Well, and, and here's some other questions that it brought up for me. December 21st is New Year's. So can can we just pause for a quick yeah. second? Is it? No, I messed up. Is it? <laughs> Because it's, no, it's December 24th, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. From here on in, I shoot without a script. It's 24th. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. I love you. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> so December 31st is New Year's. So mm -hmm. to open a show or to open up previews on New Year's is a little bit risky to begin with. A little <laughs> but then here's the other question is if you're only going to postpone it to the next day, are you rehearsing on New Year's? That's, I thought, uh, do, I thought, don't they get like, maybe they don't get Christmas Day and Christmas I Eve mean, off. Because I feel like original cast, I feel like original cast do, and then the stand-ins go in or something, but maybe I'm totally wrong. Oh, I don't know about that. We always had to, we always had Christmas on the tour, at least we always had Christmas yeah. off, but Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, we would always work. But, well, that so, was, but if no. it's the next day, that but means New Year's day is over. That's what I mean though. It's like, we would do the show, but we never had rehearsals on holidays. Bananas. I know it was a little strange. So those were the questions that it brought up for that. Yeah. Um, so late in rehearsals, Robert Calfin was replaced as director by Jerry Adler and Billy Wilson replaced the original choreographer, Danya Krupska. Let's go into detail on these people. Because okay. if you were impressed by the book writers, lyricists, oh my and word. music. Okay. So Robert Calfin and this guy, Ebony, we could do a whole episode on him. He founded the Chelsea Theater Company in the early 60s and really okay. pushed the envelope for what was considered acceptable and safe in theater at the time. Like really pushed the envelope. And I did, again, I just, I didn't add any of this stuff because I just needed to get to like the, the actual story. Right. But if you have a chance, check him out. There is a book. Let's see. I wrote it down. Calvin's life and work are documented in Chelsea on the edge, the adventures of an American theater, which is a book by Davi Napoleon. Okay. So I'm looking forward to like delving into some detail on that. But I think I'm um, like, maybe we do a double feature. We do him and then I'll do Adela Holzer because okay. she's the Bernie Madoff. Of, and when we did Senator Joe, I could only just tell a little snippet. And yeah. that lady's life is bananas. Let's do it. Because I, you know, I, that's not I mean, it's not considered really any of the flop scandals. Well, no, that would be a scandal for yours. Yeah, um, mine wouldn't. I mean, yeah, you could consider my scandal it's not as well. Safe. It's not, it is not safe. Well, safe in like um, an emotional oh, like and socially cultural way. Oh. He, he really expected that theater was a um, fundamental and eye-opening for his audience. So okay. if he had children coming to the theater, he would be telling stories about old 
people. If old people were coming to the theater, he would be telling stories about young people. If there was a black audience, he would be telling Jewish stories. If it was a Jewish, like, so it was all of these kind of cross uh, social cultures, but in a way that was like in your face about it. He was not shy. And at a time, especially in the early sixties when everything was really like, oh, and he's Jewish. Mm -hmm. So you've got the black community of people trying to come out of this whole civil rights issue. You've got Mm -hmm. the Jewish community kind of trying to do the same thing for themselves, but he wasn't afraid to kind of show us what, what that was about on stage. So that was really cool. And I definitely, if you at least do one thing, mm-hmm. do a Google search on that guy. Calfin is spelled K-A-L-F-I-N, Robert Calfin. He's amazing. Uh, Danya Krupska, who was the original choreographer, and she grew up in Falls Church or uh, River Falls, Massachusetts. So it's, <laughs> I was not expecting that when I first read that. I was like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> she, this woman. <laughs> Oh, wow. She made her Broadway debut in the original cast of Agnes DeMille's Oklahoma in 1943. Wow. Later taking over the role of Dream Laurie. She quickly became one of DeMille's regular assistant choreographers working on Allegro, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, Out of This World, and The Girl in Pink Tights. Before switching to choreography full-time, Krupska also appeared on Broadway in The King and I and the original Can-Can in 1953. Krupska's best-known work as a choreographer is The Most Happy Fella in 1956, for which she received her first Tony nomination. She also staged the revival in 59. Mm -hmm. And none of her other Broadway shows were hits, although she earned another Tony nomination for The Happiest Girl in the World in 1961 and also Mm -hmm. staged the 1962 production of Fiorello. Okay. These are the ones that were fired. So now let's wow. talk about the ones I know. Let's talk about the two that replaced them. This Jerry Adler. Crazy. I know. Jerry Adler. <laughs> you might recognize the name of the New York Adlers. His cousin was Stella. What is happening? This is a theater family, Jewish family, grow, grew up in Brooklyn, all like it, theater touched every aspect of these this family's life right these are like the newmans <laughs> yeah. have like six oscars between them or something bananas like that yeah he made his directing debut with the 1974 sammy Kahn review words and music and also directed the 1976 revival of my fair lady which garnered him a drama desk award nomination and then he did the ill-fated 1981 musical, The Little Prince and the Aviator. Oh, bless him. <laughs> I know. He did. I mean, he witnessed his share of flops, though, including Drat the Cat, which I believe is on our list. This is all. These are all the ones that I made notes about. <laughs> Drat the Cat, which he thought had some nice tunes. I just thought that was funny. So I added it. <laughs> um, he did a 1976 revival of Hell's a Poppin starring Jerry Lewis. Oh, and he also did Richard Rogers' final musical, I Remember Mama. He's an actor as well, and he might be remembered more for his work as Howard Lyman in The Good Wife. Um, but he has acting credits for days. What, like the TV show? Uh-huh. He's still yeah. with us? Yeah. He's, he's a much older man now. Yeah. I think, I mean, they said, they gave him credit for doing uh, the role of Jeffrey Tambor's father in Transparent as well, which I think would be more current than The Good Wife. But I thought The Good Wife, um, he had a recurring role on that show. So that's something that people might remember. Mm -hmm. But like I said, I mean, he's, he's done, his list of credits was enormous (laughs) on Wikipedia. Um, Billy Wilson. So that's the new director, Jerry Adler. Billy Wilson is now taking over as the choreographer. And here's his credits on Broadway for choreography, just for choreography. This doesn't include any of the performance. Bubbling Brown Sugar, Guys and Dolls, which he also directed. Stop the World, I Want to Get Off, and UB. Those were before Little Prince. After Little Prince were Merlin and Dance a Little Closer. Now, with the exception of Bubbling Brown Sugar, none Mm -hmm. would be considered successes. 
And in but fact, they're beloved. Absolutely. They should. I, I mentioned, though, again, that in fact, they should probably be added to f- list of future episodes yes. because <laughs> I think that they would be kind of cool to do. But there's no denying that the level of talent, both of the original and replacement director and choreographers, is astronomical. Yeah. To add to the pot of talent, the production starred Michael York as the aviator. Holy jeez. And Anthony Rapp as the little prince with Ellen Green in a supporting role. What is happening? I, I know I've said it five no, times, know. but what is happening? <laughs> I got this all out of my system while I was doing this thing. <laughs> the show closed, parenthetically, okay. on January 17th, 1982, after 20 previews. But the idea that it closed without ever having an official opening is a bit laughable. It never officially opened. Wait, wait, why? It well, I'll get into some detail, <laughs> but let's talk about the actors first. I'm Michael just York. So shocked. I know it is shocking. I know. <laughs> so Michael York, I know him best from playing opposite Liza Minnelli as Brian in Cabaret. Mm-hmm, right. But he is a hugely successful English film and TV actor. Mm-hmm. He didn't really do a lot with musicals. This was his only real musical because mm-hmm. even in Cabaret, he wasn't a singer. Right. Um, but if you want to get into like fall down another rabbit hole, you can go through his credits on uh, on either IMDb or on Wikipedia. He's mm-hmm. I mean, he's great. He's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Anthony Rapp obviously rent right. yes <laughs> and ellen green little shop hello yeah, yeah. but a, a lot of other films too and we've or um films mm. and musicals because she did little shop on broadway and then brought it to the screen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but she's also done some tv and stuff like that she yeah. we've talked about though she never really made a success on broadway um her successes came uh, you know, in the screen more often than not, because yeah. the stuff that she was involved with, aside from Little Shop of Horrors, mm-hmm. were flops. We've talked, yeah. we've done, I think, two now, two episodes besides this one that right. she's she's been a part of. As, I have as, a, yeah. a little side story that's yeah. sort of, um, because Ellen Green is in this one, that comes from like the research I just did on the next episode. But, and you probably know this, right? So, <laughs> In the musical, I'm going to do Faith Prince is in it, okay? okay? And you love Faith Prince. I, I do. know. You love her so much. So in uh, one of the interviews I was watching, she actually was going to play the part in Little Shop before Ellen Green. Wow. <laughs> oh, I think I did know this, but keep yeah. telling. Oh, and that, so, yeah. so, so then when, uh, I think it was, Oh, was it when the reviews came out or something for Little Shop and she was like still in a a different show at the time? Like her friends were like, like trying to hide it from Faith because they were afraid she'd feel bad. And she was like, no, no, guys, it's her time. It's her time. And so then um, Seth, who was hosting, he was like, like, have you always been like that? Like, how do you just how did you just know? Is it looking back 20 or 30 years later? And she was like, well, my name is Faith. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and it does make a difference when you are in a show at the time. So like you're, you're, I'm busy. I'm, I'm, I am creating not necessarily the thing that they're talking about, but I am creating, I'm doing something else so that there is a kind of solace there. Yeah. Yeah. And then just getting back on your feet and auditioning for the next thing. And she said she felt like she wouldn't have got, she wouldn't have been able to do Adelaide if she got that part. Cause she said, uh, like, um, she said she felt like maybe people would have thought it was too on the nose. Oh, to go from that part to Adelaide. So, yeah. And I'm no, real glad makes... she played Adelaide. Real I glad. Know. Me too. <laughs> Me too. I'm going to quickly, I accidentally closed out my Safari okay. page. <laughs> Sorry. Well, in the meantime, yeah. I have another Ellen Green thing I Please. love. I, friends uh, that, that listen to the podcast, I don't know if you all have ever watched the television show Pushing Daisies. Yes. If you have not, I highly recommend checking it out. Uh, I believe it's on Hulu or Prime now, which is One super exciting. Yeah. Um, Ellen I Green's have them on and- DVD such a great show love that show it's absolutely beautiful yeah and it's fun 
And it's sweet and, and it's Swizzy delightful. Kurtz, yes. yes, plays sisters, and they're mm-hmm. just delightful. Delightful. And I, uh, I watched. The reason I got into it actually is because I would go to Blockbuster and randomly rent a movie that I liked the cover of mm-hmm. when you could still do that kind of thing. I miss and that. I know, me too. I'm like, I don't know. This looks good. Okay, let's get it. So I rented a movie called The Fall mm-hmm. starring Lee Pace, who mm-hmm. also is the lead in Pushing Daisies. He's but I maker. fell in love with him. <laughs> I have such a crush on Lee Pace. Like to the point where like when I would see him, I would get a little fluttery. Like it was so dumb, but I loved it. Right. So then I was like, well, I have to watch all of Pushing Daisies because he's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> and then the woman, and I can't remember her name right now. I'm so sorry. Not in Pushing Daisies. No, 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 no. Well, she was in it too, but the yeah. lead, the one that's. Oh, yes. Spoiler um, alert, dead. Yeah. Uh, Chuck. <laughs> Chuck is yeah. the character's name. I can't remember her real name, but she's on a, okay. a sh- another show. Marcella. So yes. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> oh, I wish that there were more episodes, but I think it's done now. And I'm it's so sad so about it. Like they I haven't really... watched. I haven't watched the last a season yet. Oh, but then I I've... won't tell you anything. But... Oh. In December last year, I binge watched it with one of like my childhood friends. And and then <laughs> when the third the third season came out, we texted each other and we were like, oh, my like, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. So watch Marcella. <laughs> Yes. How's that for a tangent? And, you know, <laughs> while we were doing that, I remembered that um, I took pictures of my screen so that I didn't mm-hmm. have to have Safari up and running. And that is why I closed it. So <laughs> life is fun. Um, now, I know that I mentioned that I was going to go into a little bit more detail about why it happened to close before actually opening. And I still yes. will. But okay. before I do that, I want to read some of a message feed on broadwayworld.com okay. where a person, and this was back in 2004, mm-hmm. wrote, does anyone know about this show? I'd love to get more information. And I love finding message boards like this because yeah. it is a wealth of information. It really is. So I've got just a handful of things that people have written. So we're going to start in February 2nd, 2004. And the username is W-O-S-Q. Said, didn't see it. Few did. But the tales were legend and in one case, unique. I do know the original director and choreographer were fired either in rehearsal or that preview week. They were Robert Calfin and Danya Krupska, respectively. I cannot remember who replaced them. We know, but that's okay. The most important thing about the show was its method of financing. This is fascinating. And I couldn't find any other information except in this board. Oh, man. It sold shares of stock rather than shares in a limited partnership. The producer intended that once the show opened, the shares would be traded on the NASDAQ like any other commercial company. This had never been tried before, nor has it been since. The show was a disaster in previews and was tossed out prior to opening by the Alvin, which is now the Neil Simon. I knew I saw it somewhere written. Now the Neil Simon or the owners, the Nederlanders. The producer then sued for improper eviction and eventually won. I'll go into detail on that later. Uh, It took a couple of years, but the case was closely watched by the entire industry. And it is probable, uh, probably in library copies of Variety. So that's number one. Number two was on the 3rd of February, 2004. Issa is the username. Okay. Uh, The producer was attorney A. Joseph Tandit, who also produced the revival of Born Yesterday, plus other Broadway and off-Broadway and also regional shows. He controlled the ancillary ancillary rights to The Little Prince and was involved in the musical film too, although not directly. The Little Prince Productions, as a stock offering, indeed did finance the Broadway musical in a most unique and never-repeated way, but... Tandit also threw in his other rights to the title. So the company held more than just the rights to the one musical. It was traded for many years after the musical closed based on the other Little Prince holdings. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay. There's a story about it in Not Since Carrie. And that's the only reason I was like, oh, I didn't even look in the book. So then I ran, (laughs) found my copy of Not Since Carrie. Um, Let's see. 
Tandit later went on to license the rights to musicalize The Little Prince uh, to others, not the same production, but an entirely new score, new book, and new approach. So there are different musical and even opera renditions of the story, just not, or not just the failed one on Broadway. Okay. The problem with the musical was that it was neither fish nor fowl. It intercut the charming Little Prince story with the rather turgid and scandalous story of its author's life, which made it less than a family show and not entirely an adult one. Mm. It's a difficult mix, which didn't work, but a nice score and a great cast. Then we're going to hear from Cardamon uh, on... (laughs) Like the spice? Not quite, because it's not cardamom. It's cardamon. Okay. Uh, April 24th of 2014. So he says that, or she says, the show's producer, Tandit, wrote the book called The Lawyer and the Little Prince. And the last chapter is about the little prince and the aviator. According to the book, they originally hired Julie Taymor to design the set, but she was fired when the original director quit and the replacement didn't get along with that. Now, I'm only saying this because I found it interesting, but it can't be corroborated and because she's also saying that the original director quit and wasn't fired, even though it says fired in several other sources, yeah. I'm going to throw a brick of salt at this yeah. and just take it for what it is. I couldn't find anything else about Julie Taymor and Little Prince and the Aviator. However, awesome. it is one of those shows where she would like just really have a field day as set designer. Like I, I know, think but... that would be her back, but I don't think, I don't think it's true. No, I don't either. Cause I'm trying to think like how old she is. I, she would have been early twenties. See, that's what. Like maybe straight out of college, that kind of thing. So I know, that's there's a lot. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mentioned it only because I think it's interesting, but yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say yay or nay on it because there's a lot that, mm, that I'm like, ah. <laughs> yeah. so. And then this is, uh, oh, I've got two more. Um, this is uh, New York Diva 2 uh, on the 25th of April of 2014. She wrote, I was there and it was every bit as awful as everyone indicated. The costume set, etc., garish and amateurish. The book, ugh. The staging awkward and the actors struggling. Two things I remember very clearly, the musicians in the pit rolling their eyes at what was transpiring on stage and Michael York coming out afterwards and apologizing to those who were waiting for autographs for the whole mess in quotes. I have held him in high esteem ever since is what she says. Uh, And then this is what Wilmington has to say about it on the same day. It was a hot mess with no notion of what it wanted to be or how to get there. Why is it that book, uh, that a book that seems ripe for adaptation has never had a successful transition to the stage or the screen? Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Well, what year was that post? 2014. Okay. Because um, there's a stop motion animation yeah that that did really well I agree I really liked it it but Mm -hmm. it was also it's so close to the book's illustrations yeah that I think that's why it was so successful because it's if you really I mean if you consider what the book is about it's much more about ideas than Mm -hmm. an actual a b c through line right so you want to see and you want to feel it. Right. But, and that can be done, certainly. And, yes. and, and theater would be a fantastic way to show that. Yeah. But it's difficult. Like, it, it really does need a mind like Ta- Julie Taymor. Yeah, I agree. To bring it into fruition. And then this is the final one. I'm sorry, I cut off their name. But you'll know who you are. Oh, no, here it is. Uh, Art C3. Okay. <laughs> um. I saw The Little Prince and the Aviator. It was terrible. What I remember most was that the stage was mostly inhabited by a huge life-size airplane. It made for very limited staging possibilities. I do think at a few points it was able to wagon slightly upstage and was covered by a drop, but all of the desert scenes were completely dominated by this huge set piece and the planets were on the end of a cherry picker with the little prince himself being rigged and therefore able to walk around these tiny floating orbs. It was ugly and pretty unserviceable. 
I remember thinking the music was very meh, mediocre and it being a shame because Ellen Green was such a wonderful vocal, uh, oh, has such a wonderful vocal quality. Michael York struggled with his songs. The book, as mentioned previously, had Ellen Green playing with uh, both Rose and a new character named Suzanne, the aviator's love interest. It didn't work. Actually, it was sort of embarrassingly bad. If anyone was, uh, has any additional questions, and then he gives his information. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, it was interesting. I, yeah. that was another, another rabbit hole that I fell down, but it, I love hearing from people that were actually yeah. there. Now, all of this can be taken with a grain of salt because our memories are very fickle things. And when you're talking, you know, when you're telling a story about something in 2014, but it actually happened in 1982, yeah, you might not remember it completely. I think right. that you do remember whether you liked it or not. Yeah. And so for the most part, I think these people probably were truthful to that. They right, didn't like right, it. Right. And I, yeah, there's, that's not a terrible thing. You know, that's what theater is here for. It's you, you either really like something or you really don't. And I think yeah. if you fall into the middle, then you don't like it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so um, going into a little bit more detail on the, on the producer, a Joseph Tandit sued the Nederlander organization claiming that they had forced him to shut down the production with more demands for money during its final week. He was eventually awarded $1 million representing wow. two thirds of his investment. And in today's money, that is $2,725,533.68 to be exact. <laughs> so with that's two thirds, then I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Um, so it'd be like 1.5 million would be the total that they did back then. Anyway. Yeah. No, okay. So this is exciting. I'm going to read not since Carrie. Okay. It doesn't go into a huge whole more detail, but he, he does have a good way of telling stories. All right. The little prince and the aviator is remembered as one of Broadway's most difficult to sit through musicals ever. The fact that Alan J. Lerner, Frederick Lowe, and Stanley Donnan had had little success adapting Count Antoine de Saint-Exupéry's 1943 classic, The Little Prince, into a movie musical should have said something to A. Joseph Tandit, a co-producer of the 1974 film, who held the rights to the property and produced a variety of stage and film versions of it during the last 20 years. In the early 80s, Tantic got Hugh Wheeler and uh, John Barry and Don Black to write a musical stage version of the story. And after the original director and choreographer were fired, The Little Prince and the Aviator began Broadway previews without benefit of tryout. In the stage version, which starred Michael York in his only musical appearance, the focus was equally on, print, on the prince and on the pilot who is grounded in the Sahara and meets the little refugee from, astro uh, from an asteroid. York's character was explicitly Antoine, and the musical alternated flashbacks to the Count's life, Count Antoine Exupéry. Mm. Uh, I keep on saying it, even though I'm embarrassed to say it. Sorry. <laughs> um, but the musical alternated flashbacks to the Count's life with scenes involving the prince. And mm -hmm. while the concept was not necessarily a bad one, the little prince and the aviator pr proved to be grisly, boring evening of disconnected scenes and unmotivated song cues. Oh, dear. No one involved knew until the day before the scheduled January 20th opening that the show had already been aborted. Let me read that again. Not a single person in the cast and crew knew that their show had already ended until the day before they were set to open. That's disgusting to yeah. me. Yeah. Especially if you already knew it. Oh, there's, it's a difference. Like if you're still like trying, you're still struggling to like make it work and then you just can't. And now it's the last, it's the 11th hour. We just can't make it work. I'm really the sorry. Last midnight. You've already made the decision not to continue and you don't tell anybody. Wow. So rude. Anyway, 
What was the most interesting thing about this particular debacle was what happened after. Tandit sued the Nederlander organization, claiming that they had coerced him into closing the show by demanding more money than they had originally asked for to keep the show open through the final week of previews. In 1986, Tandit was awarded $1 million, the jury having decided that the Nederlanders had forced the show to close by making unreasonable demands. The $1 million reward represented two-thirds of the show's cost, and The Little Prince and the Aviator became one disaster that almost returned its investment. I exhausted my search for why the heck Robert Calfin and Danya Krupska were fired. There is nothing on the internet about the reason or even the details about like when in the rehearsal process it happened yeah. or, or how much of the original concept, if any, was kept. Right. That was the big question on my mind. I was like, right. well, like, you know, if they fired them, but they kept the material the same, then okay, it's an easier transition. But if all of that had to be thrown out the window in favor for new stuff, that just adds a huge, more yes. than just one day postponement, certainly. Yeah. In summary, <laughs> I went back to my high school writing days. I was like, how do I end this? In summary, <laughs> I believe this production had quite a bit working against it. Mm -hmm. And even the most talented performers and creatives couldn't scale the mountain of challenges. There was just no way uh, there. Oh, sorry. There was no out of town tryout. Mm -hmm. That's just we all know. We all know. Yeah. Both the director and the choreographer were fired late in the rehearsal process, leaving a vacuum that even Jerry Adler and Billy Wilson couldn't fix. The theater owners were shysty and committed just below the legal definition of extortion, in mm -hmm. my opinion. Mm -hmm. And it also seems that the original source material just isn't strong enough for anything other than what it was and is, a classic children's novel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to shrug my shoulders and say, I wish that I could have found more. Yeah. There just isn't, it's not available. So it's a bit of a letdown, but at the same time, if you really like look at all of the stuff that we've just talked about, it's, it's a thrilling story. It really is. I, I, this whole like trying it out, like, I don't understand. Like, just don't do the show until you can. Like well, somewhere, like try is, it somewhere. This is what I, because he, he's coming from film and TV or film. Yeah. Where they don't have tryouts. You know what I mean? Like they may open in a, a limited amount of theaters first and before they do like a full theater opening mm -hmm. for a movie. But, you know, it's not the same beast. But also he, he didn't have a success in the film version. Right. But the idea, and he didn't just follow through on opening or doing another adaptation once. He did it over and over and over again. And none of them were critical successes. I think too, like my, my question to, to him would also be like, listen, you have a wealth of theater veterans on your team. Yeah. Any one of them will tell you, you should have some type of tryout, yeah. whether that's off Broadway or out of town, mm -hmm. you need to like, let the material breathe and sit in front of an audience and like get its bones. Right. So, you know, like, even if he's come, like, for example, the, the gentleman whose um, brainchild it was to do Jagged Little Pill, he's mm -hmm. from film. But he worked with two like veteran theatrical producers. Yeah. Goodness, that was a roller coaster <laughs> of emotion and right. shock and awe. I know. So much awe, so much shock. <laughs> wow. That was fun. That was a fun one to do. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Yeah. I'm I'm very curious to to know why they were fired people can yeah. you know like I said at the beginning like we know people can be fired for mm -hmm. any amount of reasons and it's not always um I don't think it's fallacious. ever right I don't think it's ever um and 
A few times we've done episodes that has been salacious. Oh, sure. But it's not. But there have also been several other episodes where they just were fired. Yeah. With no reason mentioned. And it just, I mean, sometimes it's just a matter of not getting along well. Right. With someone else. And that's, that's fine. I mean, we're talking about creative people and, and passionate people. And especially if you're, if you're the director and the choreographer, if you, if you're cast and you don't gel if yeah. you and the create and the rest of the creatives and producers don't gel it is a bomb waiting to go off right right so you got to nip that in the bud right away it's really true it's really true bless it i wish I there was i wish there was like a recording somewhere mm, i know me of too. at least like a concert you know version of the music so that the video that I did find of the overture seems to have been taken from the audience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there may be more of that, but it was such a bad recording that I was like, meh. So right. yeah. I didn't, I didn't look further. YouTube could have more information though, but it's also, it kind of gets mixed up with the other adaptations of little prints that yeah. are out there. Yeah. So I, again, then it was like, well, unless it says Hugh Wheeler or Don Black, um, you know, I didn't know who I was listening to or like, mm-hmm. you know, who it was coming from. So uh, there was that as well. But thanks, you know, thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks for listening. Oh, the last thing I was going to say. Yeah. Couple things. Friends, if you have more information, if oh. you're one of any of the handles that Pamela mentioned in this episode, yeah. like please email us. You know how to do it. Super it's interesting. At the end yeah. of this episode. Also, uh, Rob and Kevin, if you guys are listening and you have the <laughs> score, we'd love to hear uh, yes. some of the music from the show since, you know, the, the collaborators are so incredible. Um, and yeah, I mean, bless it. It's, I mean, it's an awesome <laughs> little story and a lot yeah. an awesome little piece of, of Broadway history. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening, yes, friends. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Theater Geeks Anonymous. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TGABWAY and on Facebook at Theater Geeks Anonymous. And if you want to tell us how much you love us or you have a great story about one of the shows we've talked about, drop us a note at TGABWAY at gmail.com. Until Until next next time, time, geeks. geeks. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.